Growing up, you and your buddies were always on the same page. Thursday was pickup basketball night. Saturday was an Xbox gaming binge, but then the buddies started falling off one by one. So what if they all have that ring on their finger and you're the only single bachelor left? You've got your own bling. And this one doesn't come with any commitment, just a few really good moments of chill bliss. Why the sheets not go for the gold? For a limited time at Sheets, get your hands on a $3.99 milkshake like the Toffrees. Made with Hershey's Heath Bars. Unwind with golden ribbons of buttery caramel and a heaping scoop of whipped cream. And don't forget, you can save $1 when you order on the app. At Sheets, there are endless options when it comes to delicious drinks. Coffee house style cold brews, hot coffees, lattes, shakes, refreshers, and so much more. Everything is customizable so you always get exactly what you want. And when we say always, we mean 24-7, 365. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second Rovers Academy podcast. You can see I've been joined again by Peter Kennedy and Daniel Ainsworth. Uh, we are, of course, sponsored by Six Yards Out. We are sponsoring all of our video content at the moment. And as you know, there's quite a lot of it going on at the moment. So um, Six Yards Out, fantastic sponsors. You should really check out some of their stuff that you're about to see right now. The Rovers Chat YouTube channel is proudly sponsored by SixYardsOut.com. They've got retro football from every era with mugs, phone cases and much more. They also have plenty of Rovers goods including apparel with the famous 94-95 season and this season's kit. Check them out using the link in the description below. So how many of you guys are even around in 94-95 to understand what that really means to the Rovers fans? Peter, looking at your youthful face. Yeah, I was going to say. Bad time. Yeah. Distant memory. Uh, we'll get on with the podcast. Um, we obviously talked last month about the possibility of the FA Youth Cup semi final being played. And kind of the main thrust of this podcast will be to talk about that game that's coming on Friday. Um, but we'll also have a brief look back at what's been happening over the last month for the youth sides. There has been a couple of international breaks, which means there hasn't been that many fixtures. But we'll have a look at who stood out for the under uh, 23s and also the under 18s. But first of all, let's ask the question of the guys. And the question this week is, I want to know who was a Rovers youth player who you thought was going to make it but never quite did. I'm going to go to Daniel first on this one. Good question. I think I'd go for Willem Tomlinson in recent years. I thought he had everything to make it. He was ahead of Travis, ahead of Hardcastle, ahead of everyone. But suddenly, this is what happens in youth football. If you miss out on just that little bit of progression into the first team, it's the end of your career at Rovers. And unfortunately, Tomlinson didn't make it. Peter, have you got someone in mind? I'm going to mention someone Dan just mentioned, um, Lewis Hardcastle. I thought he had everything. He was a goal scorer midfielder. He was great passing ability, but... Just unfortunately, it fell fell flat at the end and didn't quite make it in. Yeah, on Hardcastle, it were, I think it was Hardcastle and Tomlinson as well, weren't it? That we, yeah, yeah, Travis were at bench every week and suddenly you burst through. It's funny, you never know how they're quite going to come through. Obviously, both of those players have played league football. I think Hardcastle's at Barrow, wasn't he, at the minute? Yeah. Um, Tomlinson went to Mansfield. I'm not sure if he's still there or not, but... Um, 
still like having going to have decent careers, but obviously not, unfortunately, for them in the blue and white halves of Rovers, at least not right now, anyway. Um, so let's have a look back at the last month or so for the under-23s, first of all, with Peter. Um, we've had a couple of fixtures since we last recorded, a 1-0 victory um, at Southampton and then a 0-0 draw against West Ham away as well, which maintains the 100% sorry, the unbeaten record um, in the mm. league. What, have you, what did you make of those two games um, and did anyone stand out for you? Pretty unspectacular, both the games, to be honest. <laughs> not, not exactly enjoyable, a 0-0 and a 1-0, but... Um... Looking more solid, which is a bit better. Everything looks a bit more settled at the back now. Starting to get a back line that's set, settled with each other. But the sharp end of the pitch seems to be coming a bit flat recently, which you can understand given the amount of games they're having to play at the moment. But hopefully we'll be able to kick on. I know we've just said with the international break, they're not playing many games, but hopefully we'll be able to kick on and start to get some goals, lots of goals. And then hopefully the back line will help get lots of wins and up the table. What's that backline consistent of at the moment in terms of the personnel? Um, well, it's the, the new keeper. Don't let me pronounce him. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. The Greek lad. Yeah, yeah, we'll call him that. Uh, but then there's there's Dan Pike and Lewis Thompson who really look really solid, but Pike's been dropped off a little bit, so Tom, Thompson's been in and then there's been... Um, White Whitehall and Grayson got injured the other day, but hope hopefully we're able to you know steady the ship at the back and hopefully Grayson can get some good minutes because he looks a good player at points. It's just with the injuries he's had horrid luck over the past few years. So hopefully he can properly kick on in the next year. Quite different to the first team though, Dan. That they've seemed to be keeping a lot of uh, clean sheets and being very defensively solid right now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a. I think with the under twenty three, it's that settled defence as well. Like mm. when you've got Joe Grayson at the back, you know you've got that extra solidity. And I think your players like Lewis Thompson are just well, Lewis Thompson should be a first team player, really. Yeah, you've been knocking, you've been ringing that bell for for yeah. a while now. No one seems to be listening to you, but uh, I guess with Barry Douglas coming in as well on top of Maury Bell, who's I think we know now is uh, suffering symptoms from COVID nineteen. Hopefully, he's okay. Um, let's move on to the under-18s. Only a couple of fixtures for them as well, Dan. And, uh, you know, we can celebrate a local victory, but also a little bit of a concern with, with losing to Middlesbrough as well. Yeah, I think it's one of them. Uh, I didn't get to see either of the games really, but from what I've heard, the Burnley one with a passionate performance from the youngsters. They look like they know what it's about. A few Blackburn lads in there. But Middlesbrough... Uh, I think it was Greg Paul on Twitter said, really scrappy game, little quality in it, and just Middlesbrough take the chances. And I think that's what the under-18s are like. They lack an out-and-out striker at the moment. Well, Brandon Lonsdale scoring goals, actually, but I just think if you rely on one play to score your goals, you're always going to be struggling. Yeah, I can, I can see that. And um, But, you know... As we always say with these kind of young teams in the academy, it's not just about the results and it's about performances. Do we, do we know of anyone who's come through other than Lonsdale who's obviously scoring the goals? I know it's difficult when you're not seeing the games, but judging by the chat around it, is there anyone else in that under-18 side that's kind of starting to make a bit of an impression? Uh, yeah, George Wyatt at the back, he apparently seems quite good. He's strong, tall centre-back, confident on the ball. I think he come from Manchester United. 
But other than that, it's just your normal names like Jared Harlock, who we covered in the stat show before. He yeah. looks he looks a level above under 18s now. But there's yeah. such a crowd in midfield at under 23s. He could get a bit of the effect of other midfielders and end up staying in the 18s. Yeah, he's a very composed midfielder, isn't he, Jared? And yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure he will get some chances at under 23 level um, this season, but certainly next season he should be kind of one of the mainstays of that side and, and starting to then, you know, show his worth against all the players. And he's still a little bit, you know, he's not quite built as strongly as like an Isaac Whitehall, um, for instance, no. but he's he's very good on the ball, isn't he, Jared? Yeah, definitely. Like you're saying, he's a small guy, and I think that sometimes stops managers from playing him through, building him for the squad. Because like Mowbray's even said with Buckling, the first thing, you have to bulk up to push your way through. And I just, I do worry for him a little bit that if he doesn't bulk up, he might slowly fall into that stage of just becoming a regular player for the under eight things. Yeah. He certainly needs a needs a chance to get a little bit higher if, if we can give him that. Um, but we'll see how that progresses over the course of the season. There will be more matches that they'll start playing once the international breaks subside. I think this next one is is the last one until March, it usually is. So um, hopefully there'll be a run for the under-18s and the under-23s where they can start maybe bringing some under-18s through into the 23s and yeah. getting them some game time. Right, then let's move on to the main topic of the, the podcast then and talk about the FA Youth Cup semi-final. It's on Friday at 5pm, I think it is, and it'll be Blackburn Rovers against Manchester City. Um, the other semi-final, I think, is Chelsea versus... Manchester United, I think I'm right in saying. Yeah. And um, so that's three pretty heavyweight clubs that we've kind of ended up in the last four with, guys. Um, so quite a, a lot of credit to be given already. Um, but Peter, let's come to you first. We talked a little bit on the last podcast about um, whether it would actually happen or not. So do you feel comfortable and happy that this is being given the chance to go ahead? Yeah, yeah. I feel quite confident about this one, except for the 18s form, the fact that City have had the manager change and I'm assuming their setup's a lot more in- inconsistent than ours. Ours is quite a small academy, so there's quite the the players will be around, so we'll have most of the same squad and the same manager. Whereas, say with the city, the manager's gone and gone to manage the women's team now, so the assistant manager's taken over. So hopefully, we'll be able to take advantage of all the inconsistency and put in a strong performance against them. Yeah, I mean, performance is going to be key, but hopefully, getting the result as well. Yeah. At the end of the day, this, these opportunities don't come around that often. I know we got to the, the semi-finals when Eric Kinder was academy manager uh, with Willem Tomlinson in the side, who we previously mentioned, and we didn't quite manage to make it to the final that time. And I think it's been um, about 10 years or so since we got to the FA Youth Cup final. I think, Daniel, you you did a piece on that, didn't you, last time we got to the, the final? Yeah, 2012, so you had Daryl Lennian in the side. Other than him, there's nobody else notable. If anyone remembers Peter Wiley, Tim Payne, I'm sure people remember him. But it's only Lenny Ann who's come through. It's interesting that, isn't it? Because you'd expect a team that gets through to the, the FA Youth Cup final to have quite a few players who would make it. Yeah. But it just goes to show how difficult it is to, to break through into the first team. Well, let's have a look at the 11s that you guys have kind of, not predicted, but maybe you'd want to see um, on Friday night. Daniel, we'll start with yours, I think. And do you want to talk us through the 11 you've selected here? Yes, so Jordan Easton in there. Absolute definite pike. Everyone knows how good he is if you watch him. 
Then I've gone for George White, who I mentioned at centre-back. Strong, tall, and he'll fit in well alongside Jalil Sardi, who might swap with Whitehall, play centre-midfield. Jake Garrett's an interesting one at left-back. I think we've both picked him for the team. He must have, I think he's only 16, already got a professional contract, already playing for the under-23s. Massive talent. Uh, Whitehall in the middle, we've mentioned, highlight we mentioned. Ben Pleven's been all right this season. Scored a goal or two. Then you got Sam Burns up front, scored in every round of the cup last year. Been five. Well, he's been having good games for the under twenty threes. Luke Brennan, first team debut already, under twenty three player again, but he played last year. And Brendan Lonsdale, who's the top scorer for the under twenty threes this year. I think it's with one thing we'll have to be worried about is if City play all the star players, I think we will get overrun on the left hand side. So I think that's definitely an area to consider. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about City's key men and, and the worry that we have about them um, maybe a bit later on. Just sticking with you for this question, Dan, in terms of availability for, for players who played in the in the Cup run last season, are, are they all allowed to come back into this, even if they're over age now? Yeah, yeah, they are. The, there are three players missing that played a part from last year. You've got Flavian Bayolmo, who went to... A Spanish second tier side, you've got DiMaggio Wright Phillips, who went back to Man City, and you've got Chenka Zimba, who we released. But other than them three, you're allowed anyone back in who played last year. Okay, great. And should we get up Peter's team and any changes there? You've got Zach Gilson and in there, and um, Peter, and you've got Whitehall playing centre back as well. Yeah. So, a couple of differences. This I was more preferred rather than expected, if you know what I mean. This one, yeah. um, it was more of a attacking centre half, which is a weird thing to say. But Pike, obviously straight in, as you said, Easton the same. Garrett's a weird one, but from everything I've heard, I don't keep too up to date with the 18s. But from everything I've heard, he's done well after his timeout because he had awful luck with injury last year. So glad he's back in. And then that front six <laughs> looks pretty good for for this for this level. Um, I'd say Cleveland's been doing well so far this season. Um, and Harlock's a luxury in the midfield. And then Brennan and Gilsenen down the wings. That would be great to get in some good balls to Lonsdale, who's been scoring tons of goals so far, alongside Burns, who was great last year in the Cup as well. Yeah, he'd like to keep his record going, I'm sure, in this competition. Um, getting a goal against City in the semi-final would probably top anything that he did last season as well. Um, in the quarterfinals, for those of you who kind of forgot about it. We hammered Arsenal um, 4-1, was it? I think they got consolation towards the end and that was just a fantastic performance, Dan, wasn't it? Oh, it was massive. Best we've performed all season in the Cup. Probably the best we've performed, including league as well. Just the attacking football on display showed exactly what talent Rovers have coming through. We've already got Butterworth and Vale. When you add Baines into that, Brennan, I'm really excited for what the future holds. So do you think we can carry that into this game as well? Or, or do we need to be a lot more kind of cautious about the way that we go about the game? Uh, I think I'd be a bit more cautious. City are top of the league in the under-18 Premier League. They know exactly what they're doing. They bring a lot of talent in, like big clubs do. So I think a bit more cautious play. Possibly counter-attacking football could be the way. Soak up the pressure, get the ball up to whoever plays Burns, Lonsdale, Brennan. Gilsen and if he plays. I think getting them on the counter attack would be the way to beat City. 
Yeah, absolutely. And let's have a look at some of the Rovers' key men then who might be able to enact that sort of game plan. Peter, you wanted to, to mention a couple of these players. We, obviously, we've kind of mentioned most of them already, but maybe go into a little bit more depth with a couple of them. First. Yeah, so we've spoken last week, I think, the last time we were on here as well, about Dan Pike. He's a quality fullback. He's really good. He's already knocking on the door of the 23s with quick down the down the right-hand side with some quality balls into the box. Um, so hopefully the front guys can pick off that. Um, Sam Burns, as we said, just said then, the goals he scored last year in the Cup were pivotal to us getting this far so hopefully you can hit the ground running again with that and Luke Brennan just if you think winger in your head all his qualities come to mind he's quick he's quick he can beat a man get the ball into the box he's a really good good winger down down the down the sides yeah we we saw him very briefly didn't we um recently playing in the uh, seniors side and I think there's a lot of speculation wasn't there over the summer that was it Liverpool who was Linked with Luke Brennan, but he yeah. decided to stay with Rovers, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's he's quality player. I think we got that chance in the first team because I think they knew they were going to try and bring a winger in, so that was probably his last chance for a while to get a to get a go in the side. But hopefully, he can start to kick on this year and stake a claim for a proper role in the first team in the coming years. Yeah, I think they must have given him some kind of indication that he was going to make it or at least could be given a chance to make it in the Rovers first team for him to want to stay at the club because obviously having your head turned by the bigger clubs is is quite you know substantial especially at this age as well so um, let's talk about maybe some of the other ones then Dan um, who, who Peter didn't touch on there um, tell us a little bit about Jordan Easton to start with. Yeah he's a commanding keeper likes to come out for his cross he's quite vocal and I think that's it gives you confidence as a defender when you've got someone like Easton behind you. He's been with the under-23s this year before, I'm not going to say his name, the great keeper come in. And he just looks at home. I think he's a major talent. And I do get why we got rid of Andy Fisher to bring him through, definitely. Uh, Jalil Sardi, centre-back, centre-mid, tall, Moroccan youth international. He's just confident with the ball at his feet, knows where to pass it knows when to just get rid, really calming it back. And he must only be 18 still now. So he looks a real talent. And Isaac Whitehall, centre-back, right-back, centre-mid, already signed a professional contract until 2022. Just, he's so young and he's so dominant on the ball. And I think he's another one that we might see it next year or two. Yeah, both Sadie and Whitehall quite physically... Uh, well built for their age and the opposite of what we were saying about um, Jared Harlock is that they're the ones who were likely to be able to adapt to higher age groups quicker and I know Whitehall and Sardi have played under 23 matches quite quite a few minutes as well so um shows how physicality although sometimes still overrated is, is quite key really and uh, we're going to need some physical players I think to, to combat City if we just flash up then some of um, is it City's key men? Well, what? Yeah, so we've got some of the players there. We're not sure exactly who's going to be available because quite a few of them went to Marseille with the seniors um, over the Champions League. And Cole Palmer actually made a, an appearance off the bench in that game as well. So um, let's talk a little bit about what challenges City might pose, Peter. Um, I presume you, they're going to be technically very sound. Mm, yeah, exemplary. Technical ability is what we have to expect, and we have to expect that. And 
adapt to it if the game becomes quite open. So I think the best thing we can do almost is to try and make the game quite scrappy and get in their faces and try and make them uncomfortable because they're clearly very technically gifted players. So make them uncomfortable and get the ball forward to our front men just to try and disrupt their obvious ability that they've got. Yeah, Cole Palmer, Liam Delap have featured for the first team this season. I think Tommy Doyle's played a couple of senior games as well, and Taylor Howard-Bellis um, the same. So, you know, Daniel, we, as I've already mentioned, we don't know exactly who's going to play, but what's your what's your intelligence on, on the City team? Yeah, I think I echo what Pete said. They're very good with the ball. They got they like playing with a physical striker usually with a lap. But I think Sodji he brings a bit more pace, a bit more getting behind your man, which I think we might just struggle with if we play Whitehall at the back. Uh, Carlos Borges he's hasn't played for a month or so, but he could play this game and he's just a really technical winger. One of your flashy he's Portuguese, so he's one of your flashy Portuguese wingers, few step overs get past his man whipping him. So I think we're going to, I do think it'll be a tough test really. Yeah, undoubtedly it's going to be tough. You don't get to, I guess, the semi-finals of the FA Youth Cup by um, just scraping your way there. And, you know, but, you know, we can't sell ourselves short either. We've got to this stage as well. And I think hopefully they'll go, the lads will go into the game with every confidence that they can at least match Man City in certain areas and, if they get the tactics right and we get a little bit of rubber the green, then we can definitely make something of it. I'm going to come to each of you with a prediction now. Um, I think we'll start with Peter, please. First. Um, uh, and it's difficult. But... To all, and we win on penalties. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. I'm going to go 3 be... 1 Rovers. 3 1 Rovers. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to give a prediction because. <laughs> I think City are going to win so um, we'll drop <laughs> over that one I think um, I mean getting to an FA Youth Cup final though that would be a massive thing for so many of these players I remember speaking to John Curtis on the 1875 podcast and he still remembered very fondly when he got to the FA Youth Cup final with Man United and it's still one of his big career highlights so I think for all of those young players and um, we're recording this on Thursday I think a lot of them will have uh, butterflies in their tummies tonight when going to bed, just thinking about the opportunity ahead of them. Uh, Daniel, I think we've got a, a question from, from someone about um, the youth teams. Yes, it was from the Australian rover, John, and it was, does the playing formation of the first team dictate how the under-18s and 23s line up? So if Tony Mowbray was going to swap from 4-3-3 to 4-4-2, does that tactical change affect the whole of the club? If no, shouldn't it? If yes, should it? Thank Good you, John. Um, Peter, throw that over to you. Well, I was mentioning this. It, the higher up the age group goes, the more it matters normally. But Mowbray's changed formation so many times that it's hard to keep up for, for any of the 23s. They can't change. If Mowbray plays formation one week, they can't change if he changes formation the next week. So they've just got to find a system and stick to it, what works for the players they've got. And Mowbray's 4-3-3 works with some of those players, but it was the 4-2-3-1 for the past few years with Mowbray. That's how we got out of League One, just playing the 4-2-3-1. But maybe that doesn't work for some of the players, but definitely doesn't work for some of the players we've got at the moment. So should it? Maybe. I don't know. But if 
managers don't normally stay for this long in, in the league at the moment, so we can't just lay on the assumption that Mowbray's going to be here forever. No, certainly not. I think um, I think it has become kind of the norm now that all through the academy levels that they have a, that most academies will have a certain style of play that they want their their play their teams to play at. Um, but that seems to be very similar across all the academies. Everyone wants to have technical footballers and, and good players with the ball. Um, I think the change that we've made from the four-two-three-one to the four-three-three does have to be echoed in the twenty-threes at least. Um, I would say probably Mowbray seems pretty set on this way of playing now that um, it's been established since lockdown. And so I think that's had time now to filter through to the rest of the economy sides for this new season. And I think we'll see that pretty much for the whole of the season now. And and whatever happens with Mowbray, um, if a new manager comes in, then it's incumbent on them to decide whether they want the academy to go down that route as well. So it does matter though, because obviously if you're recruiting players for the under 18s, then you know you're looking at those holes as the work like from the 16s, do we have players to fill the roles that we need to have filled? So it does have a massive effect. And you know, you've got to if you're preparing players to play in the first team, then you've got to make sure they're ready for it. So yeah, definitely. It's just on Ducky though. When 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 Dak comes back, what does that do to everything? But that's probably well above my pay grade, but straight, oh, straight into itself, yeah. <laughs> more senior uh, people to answer. Yeah, um, as a question, maybe we'll throw back out to the the guys who are listening. Um, what happens with Bradley Dak? But then you can ask Ryan to answer that one on his next on the next live stream that we do. If you've not watched any of the recent live streams, then. Definitely get onto that. That's been something that's come in since the last time we did an Academy podcast. Definitely check out. We go live um, and interactive on Twitter and also on YouTube um, before the matches, uh, the first team matches. And also we have a reaction show afterwards where you can actually call in as well. Um, we're hoping to get a few more people calling in and asking questions of the panel. It wasn't such a happy show last time, but the time before, that was pretty good. Um so it's really, I think it's quite cathartic though, isn't it, Daniel, that to get, whilst we're all in lockdown and, you know, things might get worse before they get better, to have somewhere to go and have a, a chat about the footy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not like we can go to the pub anymore and <coughs> have a chat after football. So I think if you're going to join us, come across, ask your questions. You can even drop us a DM on Twitter. We'll get you involved with it. Let's just have a big chat about Rovers. And we'll just keep it till football comes back at least. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the sooner the better. But um, please tune in to... Uh, so, Peter, actually, when where can we watch this uh, FA Youth Cup semi-final? Tomorrow night, 5 o'clock, BT Sport 1. That's where we are over here. But you, if you're from any other country around the world, just go on my Twitter and I've put a list in of where, where the match is on around the world. There you go. All right, thank you, Daniel. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And thank you, Peter, as well. Cheers. Thanks. Good luck to the lads tomorrow night, and hopefully we'll be back on again uh, talking about the FA Youth Cup final and Rovers being part of it. Fingers crossed. The Rovers Chat YouTube channel is proudly sponsored by SixYardsOut.com. They've got retro football from every era with mugs, phone cases, and much more. 
They also have plenty of Rovers goods, including apparel with the famous 94-95 season and this season's kit. Check them out using the link in the description below. Industry leading, difference making, tomorrow shaping, world changing. These are a few of the adjectives people use to describe the technologies and companies Deloitte works with day in and day out. Join us and soon those very same adjectives could describe your career too. Explore technology careers at Deloitte.com slash tech careers and make an impact on business, technology, and society while engineering your future at Deloitte.